Have you ever left your house or work and then realized your AirPods case is empty? You know, what's funny is I had never done that until, I don't know, like two or three days ago. It's almost like we plan these openings or something. No, not at all. But it, it was it was jarring. Um, yeah, because it generally never happens to me. But I was on a call this morning before I left my house. And then I got home. Luckily, I didn't need to use my AirPods. But um, yeah, I just saw two two AirPods just hanging out, just lonely, wondering where their, uh, their dog bed was. Which is, I assume, is what the dental floss case is for. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you know, what I did with mine was, so I was taking Branson for a walk. Mm-hmm. And I actually did have the case in my pocket. But then when I opened the case, the AirPods weren't there. Mm -hmm. But it turns out that the AirPods were in my jacket pocket. And they had been in there since the walk from the previous day. (laughs) Wait, so was this a jacket you happened to be wearing at the time? Correct. Oh, that's 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 definitely that's like 60 year old man stuff. (laughs) <laughs> you're finding stuff you don't even know you forgot but because you're such a creature of habit it's right where you left it exactly that's great um but the battery and the airpods were completely dead mm-hmm. which initially was you know a bummer so i i threw them in the case not really expecting to be able to use them on the walk but i was pleasantly reminded that airpods charge really fast after 15 minutes i think they had like 60 or 70% charge, something like that. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, I'm coming I'm coming around to AirPods. They're, they're they're pretty great. You know what I'm what's the opposite of coming around on? Uh turning around against, falling out of love with. Okay. I don't know. Or my Powerbeats Pros. Okay. So here, here's why. It's not for like the obvious stuff. Like the fit, I still find really good. Sound quality's fine. All that stuff is okay. But the reliability with them has been really spotty. I've had quite a few issues where they just won't connect with my Apple Watch and I have to put them back in the case close the case, reopen the case, bring them back out, and then sometimes that'll work. Sometimes I have to do that again. Other times, and this is actually what's become more frequent lately, is one of the uh, headphones will connect, but the other one will not. And then I have to go through that same process again. And I actually had kind of chalked this up to some kind of like iOS 13 slash watch OS 6 thing. Um, but I had a friend mention to me that she was experiencing the same thing, but with Android. So it's not... Who uses Powerbeats with Android? It's, it, it's They work perfectly fine. They're like regular Bluetooth headphones. That's super interesting. Hmm. I just always assumed that uh, Android people would be kind of like on the Bose or... Yeah, hmm. maybe Beats doesn't have the um, direct link to Apple that most people think it does. I don't, you know, I I don't spend hours and hours poring over product reviews, maybe like I used to. But um, from what I gather, the um, options for truly wireless earbuds is, you know, it's it's fairly limited. And I think, you know, no matter what else you think about Apple and Beats, I think the AirPods and the PowerBeats Pros are, you know, kind of two of the best options out there. 
Yeah, you're you're right. Just because the Pixel Buds are garbage, the Galaxy Buds aren't very good either. Um, so yeah, you're right. I, I I've I've never wondered because you know how on the back of the AirPods case you have the little um, like standard non W chipset uh, pairing button. Right. Yeah, I was I always forget that uh, non Apple ecosystem people could um, could use them. Right. So you know, I um, I haven't really done like research into it yet or anything like that. I think what I'm probably going to do first is just sort of factory reset them mm-hmm. and kind of see what that does. Yeah. Um, and if, if that doesn't work, then maybe, you know, start doing the uh, sad thing where you pour over internet forums desperately looking for people with the same issues. Yeah. Uh, vaguely related to that. I still, uh, I, and I have not been working out or doing anything where I can claim that I'm using my Power Beats much at all, but I can never put them back in on the first try correctly. Oh, to don't even get me started on that. Like, it takes me three um, tries, and I'm always like, oh, I guess maybe that is how they, but like, whenever, like, I always think, like, the first time I'm going to put them back, I'm like, yeah, I remember this from last time, but then they never fit. But then when I pay slightly more attention, they do fit. I'm like, God, God damn it. So there's two issues with that one is obviously they're not charging but the other issue is if if the case and the headphones remain fairly close by to you if you go to use another pair of bluetooth headphones sometimes your phone or your watch whatever you're using will remain connected to the powerbeats pros because i don't think they like truly disconnect until they sense that they're you know connected to the case yeah and that's annoying as well. So they're 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 still good, but um, having having some issues with them. Yeah. Well, I meant for that to be a super quick topic, but apparently there was um, some meat on the bone, and we were able to make a stew with it. <laughs> do we do we do anything quick on this show anymore? I, I feel think like we, we don't. I think we do. There was one episode that was like fifty five minutes, and I was very proud. And then we're we're generally very we're. Um, yeah, we're like a who? We're we're like a what's her what's her name? What's her name? You're gonna have to give me a little more than that. <laughs> the 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 author. We're like a Doris Kearns Goodwin book. Dense, oh, but there's a yeah, lot there. You know, she was the one I was actually gonna say. <laughs> Wait, when I just suggested female author, were you thinking like J.K. Rowling or the one who keeps trying to revive the Harry Potter thing? Uh, to be honest, I had no idea where you were going. Okay. Yeah, D- Doris, friend of the show, Doris. Mm-hmm. She she gets the first name treatment. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you know, to to pull back the curtain just a little bit on the you know the behind the scenes stuff because I know that people like hearing about that. In mm-hmm. our little um, outline that we put together each week, um, we always do have a grab bag section, which is intended to be sort of which quick hit things, which mm-hmm. we generally never get to. And then even when we do get to maybe a topic or two in there. They always basically just end up being the same length as any other topic. So I, the point being, I don't really think we're capable of having short conversations anymore. Well, yeah, but you, but you're also ruthless. Where the grab bag should be much, much longer, and we and there there is solid gold that we have missed out on because of your, um, yeah, my editing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's yeah, it's amazing. Steve Jobs, great, great editing. <laughs> no. All right, so that was meant to be quick because I, I have – so I wanted to dive right into follow-up, and I have some very I, – I, this is off uh, off the docket follow-up because it it's, it, it's so extreme and upsetting. Mm. So let me open up Slack, not photos. 
<laughs> uh, so I was in, this has been something I, I, so let me preface this. I'm going to send you an image of something that's kind of upsetting, but I had Uh-oh. seen this once and I was like, is that what I think it is? There's no way that's what I think it is. And there was a second time when I was driving and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's what I think it is. And then I walked past a supercharger and it was what I thought it was. And then a fourth time I was uh, just walking around, um, uh, uh, what's it called the dog patch neighborhood. And, uh, there was, there was a model three parked on the street and I'm going to send you a picture of something that it, this goes back to, it's been an, an ongoing thing about weird vanity license plates, but also weird, um, and eccentric ways of mounting a front license plate. Cause people want to be weird about that. So what's, what's, what's going on in this picture? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so this is a model three that a white one. Mm-hmm. So points against already. <laughs> uh, to its credit, does have a front license plate. Does it? Does it? Well, it, it, but it it appears to be almost um, sort of like how you know, like with jerseys, how you kind of like press the number onto <laughs> the back of a jersey. This it is kinda, an iron-on transfer of a license plate. It kind of seems that way. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a vinyl uh, sticker print, which um, is v- v- only vaguely legal. Like I actually did a, I, I did a fair. Cannot imagine this is legal. Uh, so California sticker license plate. I think I have more of this in my private Slack channel, but this this is like three weeks old. But I kept forgetting uh, to get back to this. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say this is like three weeks of research. No, God, no. But um, <laughs> I can't find out where it is. But um. Is this it? Yeah, license plate. Oh God. Oh no, but this is this is the Canadian one. Oh no, Canada. What are you doing? Um. Okay, I'll send you a link to license. Uh, HTTPS license plate dot ca. So yeah, apparently there are these companies that will just uh print a vinyl sticker with your license plate on it. And I did the research, and in California, it is um they're running a pilot program where um well because if you go by the strict letter of the law. It is illegal to have a facsimile of a license plate because that is basically a forgery of a government document, sort of. Uh, But apparently there's a pilot program where there are alternate means of showing a front license plate, and I believe it's limited to like 10,000 people. So you know all those fucking people are Tesla people. (laughs) (laughs) So this was so upsetting in that, but then there's, I got to find what, what, uh, what company was this? Go back to actually the photos.app. Um, where is it? I'll find it another time, but I'll send you a picture that I saved from the website of the people that make it. And this is, this, this doubles up on, uh, this doubles down on this silly concept. That's been a thread on the show, which is one, this is a not traditional front license plate. So strike one. Um, it's a dumb vanity plate. So it's a model X and the, and this was given in public, so this is not somebody like this is not compromising somebody's identity. They actually put this uh, hey, look at my cool funky license plate. Uh and the license plate spells Kleenex because it's a model X. So I, I can put this in the show notes. This is fair game. Yeah, this was on the website of and I can't find the link for it, but the website for the company that would charge you fifty six dollars to print a sticker. Oh, here it is, because it's on Teslamotorsclub.com. <laughs> which i assume you are a member of because i know you're on the, you, you you like electric 
a lot, right? Like I know you're on those forums, not not in a bad way, but right. I am I am not on Electric's forums. No, are you um, on any uh, EV forums? I was on this Tesla Motor Club forum, but only I when I was trying to figure out when I was going to get my Model Three. But as soon as I got it, I um, ceased going here. Yeah. So Kleenex. Oh man, like this is, this is so much work for just 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 put the then move out of California. Like the just I I don't get all the effort because like if you're if because I get the whole not wanting to drill holes in your bumper, but we've already established that by your firsthand knowledge that Tesla makes a mounting bracket that is actually just adhesive. Yeah, so this I, I maybe a little bit of a a hot take or at least a lukewarm take here. The little mounting thing that Tesla gives you mm-hmm. is fine. Like it, I I think it, I think it looks totally fine. And I I agree with you. I think you've said this on the show in the past. Is I actually think the front of the Model Three looks better with the front license plate. <laughs> well, it looks than like because without. without it, it looks like it has a big like it was delivered to you with a dent in it. I know for you, <laughs> it kind of was, but yeah, well, that's a different story. But um, yeah, I I don't I don't get I don't get what the aversion is to front license plates. I really don't like. And then there's people like, and this is not necessarily this is not really a high end car thing. But I've seen this on people you know who have like kind of like the the tweaked out or that's probably not the right word. Um, like the, who have made alterations to like their Honda or something. And you'll see people who just have like a front license plate, like just like tossed up on their dashboard. Ugh. And I don't get that. Cause one, that's gotta be annoying as hell while you're driving. Cause it's just rattling around. And that looks, that looks even worse. And just like any unconventional mounting of it calls attention to it. And it just makes the fact that you've done it in a weird way, even wor- like, I don't know. I just don't get it. I bet there's no California pilot program for, uh, just throwing it in your, um, the front of your car. I yeah yeah I don't know I don't know yeah this is upsetting and then yeah so whatever I, and and again to get caveat this is upsetting but it's not actually upsetting there's just so much actual legitimately upsetting thing that you need frivolous stupid shit to get upset <laughs> about to make the actually upsetting stuff um well it's still upsetting but yeah yeah can we uh, I think that's our show title just upsetting <laughs> um. Yeah, so can we pivot to, or just continue follow-up just and go to one more car topic? Please, yeah. All right, let me go back to Chrome. Still not used to not having this in Omni Outliner. Yeah, you'll get, you'll get used to it eventually. Yeah, how'd you get that fancy outline thing on the side? I've never seen that before. I was actually going to ask you the same thing. I assumed you put it there. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, so, okay, so so you hired an assistant somehow who's now... No, I thought I thought what you were doing was sort of (laughs) passively aggressively calling out that we never get to (laughs) grab bag. Well, yeah, opining on my editing by sort of further editing my edits. No, I I I do not have the time or effort to do that. (laughs) I made the cursor garden, which is an idea I stole from somebody else, and then everything else about the show falls on you, basically. Presented by Salesforce. Don't forget that. They're, Correct. They're, pay, they're, they're paying us for that. Yeah, not Oracle. Get the fuck out. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> they spent all their money on Oracle Park. Uh, still, uh, no. I'm bummed that I didn't. I always, I've always wanted to go because I, I went on a tour of Wrigley Field, and I've gone to a. I think I've been to a tour of uh, Dodger Stadium or or Edison Park. What 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 one of the Southern California stadiums I've been to? 
I never got to take a tour when there wasn't a game going on uh, at AT&T Park. And I kind of don't want to go now that it's called Oracle Park just because the name is so dumb. <laughs> I know it's, su- it's super petty, but I don't, I don't know. Okay, so the Volvo XC40, um, they have, uh, it's basically the same car, but they have introduced a new, uh, this is one of their first um, all-electric vehicles. And they have promised that they were going to do that for a while. And I think they made the commitment that they're going to do basically just at the very least, every single car that they offer will have a pure EV version, I think by like 2022 or 2025. Um, so, and as, as we've talked about on the show, like I, ha- um, uh, I'm, I'm looking for a new car in the next couple of months and this isn't really on the radar cause it's, it's, I don't really love the look of it. I don't love the look of the XC60 either, to be honest, but, um, this one's interesting because one i love the name so the specific for like a trim level or model level of this is called the xc40 recharge and most evs have like really dumb names and this one this one's cool i like that but also if you're on the volvo usa product page or volvocars.com uh the uh i don't know what you'd call it but like the home charging thing that you'd have is pink that's interesting like again i I, like i don't care um and like i'm not somebody who ascribes like i mean there's the whole pink tax thing and there's a whole lot of dumb stuff related to colors and and product marketing stuff but i think it's interesting that they're kind of doing kind of a pastel thing because like uh tesla has its um like super sterile like um aluminum aesthetic and uh nissan and um like everybody else who's made an ev has kind of made it like I don't know. I like like all like white and cutesy. I don't know. I think this is kind of interesting. I just think everything about this car is is it's it's a, it's a very normal car, and that's been one of the problems where like other people who've tried to put their their whole for for a better or worse, uh, like I can't think of a better phrase, put their whole ass into an, uh, making an electric car, like Nissan, like the the Leaf, even the second generation looks super weird. The BMW i three super weird um the chevy bolt and the volt models those are those are fairly um reserved uh, and conservative in their design but i don't know this this looks like a regular car so can i um push back a little bit here sure the difference between those last handful of cars that you mentioned and this is that those cars actually exist and are sold in the real world this is just has a vague coming soon no it's it's um like a second quarter 2020 sure we'll we'll see i mean this is this is i've I've gone on this rant before so i'll keep it short this time but this is my biggest gripe with the ev market is there's all this talk from all the big manufacturers they all do this same thing volvo ford gm they all talk this big game about ev initiatives and then they don't actually like ship anything. It's all just vague concepts and coming soons and ideas. So I don't know until like is the what what's the what's the Audi one? The e-tron totally exists. Is is that like is that actually shipping though? Absolutely. Like mm-hmm. in volume? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like they're they're still doing some dumb Tesla like stuff where if you go to if you search Audi e-tron USA, uh it still says make a reservation. It's it's some bullshit like that. But no, you can totally buy one if you want it. It's seventy five thousand dollars, and like ninety, <laughs> and it's ninety thousand if you option it. If you, if you want a steering wheel and you know that kind of stuff. Well, you know, it's not always the joke that Audi doesn't come with uh, turn signal and stuff. So, well, that's I mean, that's the joke of any kind of base level car is like, oh, you you wanted four 
tires with that? Oh, okay. Well, oh, I was I was more saying that that um, uh, luxury automobile drivers are assholes. <laughs> Yours is more charitable. <laughs> also, I'm let me link you over, and you can put it to, in the thing um, uh, for, to a Verge article about this. Uh, the frunk is very small. I noticed that um, even on Volvo's page, they have a, a picture of that. I noticed it seemed kind of small. Mm-hmm. I'm look. I'm trying to get a more definite ship date. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't mean to just you know be a you know a wet blanket on this thing, but it's just it's it really is a pet peeve of mine, and I think this is why I've just totally lost interest in things like CES and other types of events and product announcements where it's just concepts and stuff. Like, I there obviously, and this has been talked about ad nauseum, like all the problems with Apple's events, but at least most of the time, I mean you know, insert your air power joke here. Most of the time they like what they're announcing on stage, like exists and is like coming out in a matter of weeks. It's not just some flashy PowerPoint or some like model that like doesn't actually work. Like at this Google event last week, didn't the headphones they announced, didn't they not even have any like working demo units? That's correct. Yeah. Like things like that just drive me crazy. Like, wait until you actually have a product. Jeez, why can't people ship? Jesus. Or at least, like, just be genuine about it and say, hey, this is something we're working on. It's, you know, it's it's not ready yet. Um, like, But don't just pretend it's like a real thing yet until it's actually out. You know, I've, I've looked at like five different articles and I can't find any one that actually has a definite ship date. Well, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, we'll see if this thing comes out next year. I mean, I I guess I hope it does, but... Um. Yeah. Why? Well, I also I don't with the frunk. Why are there like? Why is there a like a? Why are there like two layers to get inside of the frunk? Um. I already I already closed the verge tab. Hold on. Like, there's the kind of like traditional um, like hood, but then you also have to then open like a second cover thing. Yeah, probably water sealing or something. I don't know. Like with the Model Three, you just you know you just pop the trunk in and the little storage things right there. Yeah, but the Model Three is dead to me because the trunk isn't powered. <sighs> yeah, that's it's lame. <sighs> yeah, it, it does, yeah, 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 yeah. I do my my Edge not only was powered, but it had that little foot thing. Well, so we look, can we uh, let's do a quick detour? Well, it's not going to be quick. We're not going to talk about anything this week. <laughs> um, this, we were we were we just talking about this? Um because again i'm going through the car stuff and i'm thinking about all the stuff i really like about my current car and the things that i haven't about previous cars and there's three things that i really like about um about the my current car which is one it has the uh the like you kick the bumper and it opens the 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 trunk which is great um and it works the what i feel like is the best way and that's why when i rented the volvo xc60 to see if i could live with it on a day-to-day basis the part that bugged me is that it had that feature, but it wouldn't work if it doesn't work if the car is locked, which hmm. basically defeats the purpose. Because the whole point is you're coming out from Trader Joe's and you've got three reusable grocery bags um, and you want to open the car. And, and on my car, it's perfect. You you just you kick it. It doesn't matter if it's locked or locked. Uh, as long as you have your key with you, it's fine. Um, but on the Volvo, it, the car had to be unlocked for it to work, which there is no point at that point. Hmm. But then also on my current car, it has, and you can tell me if the Tesla has this, it has uh, grocery bag hooks on the inside of the trunk. No. That's one thing, which is, it's like, it's probably 40 cents of plastic, 
but it's such a great feature where you don't have all your stuff rolling around in the back if like if because you know how like you just sometimes you have an empty trunk and you just have two grocery bags and you don't have stuff clattering around back there yeah so that's a great like and this is stuff that some other cars don't have but what my current car doesn't have that that i've that i've always hated because it just it just feels like a weird omission and i just hate the sound of like you're coming home after the gym at like 10 30 night and you're slamming a trunk while everybody's asleep like that's 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 lame um and yeah the the a4 does not ha- it, it just has one the world's loudest trunk but also no power trunk option right so it's a bummer that the because the model s has that yes it does so why 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 take that away from the model 3 like i mean for like because it's not it's not that cheap um and many other parts of it are very nice so it's like it feels like a weird thing to skimp out on agreed Okay, well, would you, uh, let's talk about let's talk about Google Stadia, Stadia, Stadia. Stadia. Yeah. yeah, you you bought one of these, right? I did. Yeah, I pre-ordered one of these. Um, so they've you know been talking about sort of a a vague November release date, but at that Google event I just mentioned a minute ago, they clarified that it will be out on November nineteenth at nine a.m. So. Presumably those like me who have put in a pre-order will be receiving their uh, controller and Chromecast Ultra, um, I guess, either on or shortly before the 19th, and then the the service will go live at 9 a.m. on the 19th. Have there been launch titles announced for it yet? So that's kind of the interesting thing with Stadia, which maybe we actually haven't gotten super deep into on the show, which is... It has kind of a weird business model. So yes, there is a games lineup, but how you go about playing those games is not super straightforward because it's not just you logging into the service and then paying for games. And it's also not something like the Xbox Live Gold Pass Ultimate or whatever the heck that thing's called, (laughs) uh, where you just pay a monthly fee and then you get access to all first party Microsoft games and you and you have access to those games as long as you pay your monthly fee. With Google Stadia, it's it's sort of a hybrid between those two things. So at launch, there's a required monthly fee. You get I think 3 or 6 months out of the box included, but then after that you you pay this monthly fee. And that basically gives you access to the service, and then it it also allows you to play games at full 4K resolution with surround sound and all that good stuff. But then that fee includes like a handful of games, but not all of the games in their library. And the ones that are not included, you have to actually then pay for just like you would through Steam or something. And that's it's that's kind of a weird combination because then there's like a lot of questions around like, well, if you stop paying this monthly fee, then does that mean you don't have access to the games that you've even gone out and paid like full price for? Um, there is eventually going to be a free level of the service. So a lot of this stuff, I think, will sort of fix itself over time. But that's been kind of the biggest knock against Stadia so far is that the whole games library and pricing model around that library has been a bit confusing and maybe not super user-friendly yeah i mean 
the uh the the $10 a month thing like that makes sense cuz you are paying for because like that's a whole point where it's, it's a cloud gaming platform and all of the um graphics rendering and all the processing intensive stuff is uh happening on Google servers so it makes sense that that has a monthly fee um i think i'd understand where that's kind of maybe difficult or confusing to explain to the public who maybe doesn't understand the difference or do, doesn't care which that's also a very valid point um yeah, it's weird. I um, is Stadia supposed to have um kind of the same? Like, is it supposed to have exclusives to it, or is it supposed to be kind of unless you're like like you know a game that would normally be on Xbox and PlayStation, like one that's not made in house or has like a a brand tie in? Is that stuff supposed to come on Stadia? So there are no Stadia exclusives yet, which has been another thing that people have pointed to and been like, well, um, if you aren't bringing any exclusive games here, sort of how are you differentiating yourself? Now, I I would sort of... Well, the technology. Yeah, I, I would push back a little bit against that because, you know, I mean, people who have powerful desktop gaming PCs, sure, that's easy for them to say, but for the overwhelming majority of people who don't have something like that, then this, this type of service gives them access to play games that they otherwise wouldn't be able to at a level of fidelity. They wouldn't otherwise be able to. Um, so there's some kind of weirdness around the business. I think that needs to get sorted out. Um, and then obviously there's a huge question around (laughs) like whether the just actual core technology is going to work. I mean, they've they've demoed it in limited capacities at things like E3 and in some other private events, but that's obviously very different from just releasing this thing out into the world. So we'll see how it actually works from a technical perspective, which is definitely what I'm most interested in seeing. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see come uh, November nineteenth. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you're being an early adopter of it because I mean, like, I think it that's kind of what this is at this point. Well, I mean, I assume it's like most stuff that that's that Google does. Like, they're willing to just burn a bunch of money on it if they think it's like. I know it's not like a Google X like Waymo style moonshot thing, but it's just like kind of like they have enough where they can just throw engineering resources at, and if it doesn't pan out, I'm sure they can use that encoding technology to make a different product better. So just it's whatever. Yeah, and I think the I think that applies to consumers too, in the sense that if you're going into it sort of like how I am, looking at it just as sort of like just something that you're just kind of interested to see the the tech and just sort of just see how it works. I think that then that's sort of the reason to to get in early. But if this is like the platform that you're looking to play all your games on, I don't think it's going to be quite that on day one. Or, you know, maybe ever. Yeah, so thanks for being an early adopter. You're welcome. Um, can we go back to cars for a second? <laughs> sure. I'm just clicking around on The Verge. Um, and I did not see this today. Because this was Tesla, uh, Tesla earnings day. I am calling. I would. I will wager a dinner at Pico. This is not happening. So the headline here is... Tesla's full self-driving feature may get early access release by end of 2019. No. So that, yeah, that will definitely not happen. I mean, this is the same company and same CEO who said that we would see 
a Tesla successfully navigate coast to coast in the United States fully autonomously, I think originally by the end of 2017. And here we are nearing the end of 2019, and that's not even close. Um, and then also to bring this in a little bit more um, into like a personal anecdote, as someone who also uh, tried the whole smart summon thing again this morning, <laughs> mm-hmm. I can I can I can further validate that Teslas are nowhere near being able to drive themselves. Um, so what what happened this morning specifically? And I, actually, this is a good segue into something I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. I forgot to put this in the docket. Um. So the reason it didn't work super well this morning was it so it pulled out of its parking space fine and it, I was in a basically empty parking lot super early this morning which is why I'm like eh this seems like a safe place to try this um pulled out of its parking space fine got to the kind of the end of the row of parking spaces and then it had to make a left turn to to come towards me and it did all that just fine but it was turning directly into the sun, at which point I it slowed way, way down. And a little message came on the phone saying something to the effect of operating at reduced speed due to poor visibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that that really kind of stood out to me was because that's actually something that happens when using autopilot as well is if you're driving into direct sunlight, you will sometimes get a message on the screen that says, hey, just to let you know, things like um, your um, lane change um, sensors, like where it tries to detect if there's a car next to you or like your lane departure warnings, things like that may not be working correctly right now due to poor visibility. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the thing that I get hung up on is, I mean, driving into direct sunlight is a super common thing. Well, it's pretty rare, I think. <laughs> not, not in California. Um, so, you know, if you're going to make a car that can allegedly drive itself, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't feel like an edge case to me. Like, I sort of get how, and this is kind of a... a random aside but like earlier this year i went to hawaii and we did the whole like road to hana thing in maui and like sure i i fully appreciate how something like the road to hana is a wild edge case that i wouldn't expect tesla to solve for but things like driving in direct sunlight i would kind of expect that to be a fairly common scenario that (laughs) tesla would have to figure out we won't get into it, but like I, I, I have railed or I, I have ranted at length about this multiple times where Tesla is never going to achieve full, full self-driving for many, many reasons, but also that exactly what you talked about, it's going to be with today's camera technologies, you can't like it, it needs some type of like LIDAR or radar. You can't like that's where like have you ever used like a have you had a chance to use your autopilot features like in the rain or really bad like you know kind of how like someone's went super rainy and also super windy like i assume those are situations when a camera based system is is garbage so so to be fair to tesla actually i have been in those types of scenarios um i mean i happened to have my model 3 this past winter which was like by far and away the rainiest 
you know, winter we've had here in a long time. And it was totally fine. Like it never, it never has any issues in the dark or in poor weather. Like even in the fog, it never seems to have any trouble. In, in, in terms of self-driving? Right. In terms of, well, I mean, not full self-driving. But well, but like that's, the, that's what I'm saying. If we're, if we're working off the presumption that this is not just like a crash avoidance system and that it's actually going to drive itself fully and have a full understanding of its surroundings, that's where I feel that a camera-based system is just never going to get them there. Well, I mean, the, the autopilot as it stands today seems to work well in all of those other types of conditions. Um with the exception of sunlight that seems to be like the one thing that really trips it up but then that means i mean and again this is i'm not using you as the vessel for to take like tesla rage out on but like doesn't that mean that that feature is not going to work for like three hours a day like i mean just because like if like you know like if you're driving like as the sun is setting and you just know those times where like you need sunglasses and your visor down if the car just kind of like can't like the car's not going to go 25 miles an hour on the 101 and just like I just don't know what the solution to that is. Like if 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 your car go drops from being, driving to you in an empty parking lot at ten miles an hour to like three miles an hour, just because it's sunny in the morning, how is full self driving going to be attained within? Wait, sorry, did it say the end of this year? It's October. Yeah. Okay, so they're going to fix that in three months. Yeah. Ugh. Um. I mean, this is why I have not bought into the the full self driving package on my model three and you know probably never will just because I, I in the time that i have this car i'm just not sure that tesla's ever going to get there it's hard to see yeah especially like the, the other thing i've been thinking a little bit more about because it's it's hard not to think about if you're someone who's regularly in san francisco because you see these things all the time like i i see those cruise automation and waymo cars like multiple times a day and i think especially like the cruise automation stuff like that's a company that you know is solely dedicated to the self-driving issue and i think is pretty smartly and pretty rigorously trying to come up with a solution mm-hmm and clearly, I mean, they, they have not made any kind of proclamation about being imminently close to having some type of self-driving car. Um, so I, you know, I think about a company like that and then, you know, compare them against like Tesla, which is sort of slap shot at best with this stuff. Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't see it. Well, and, and take it, uh, take for example, one of those, um, what is, what is, is it the Bolte? What, what is the, um the model of like the tiny Chevy that they use for the cruise, which is it the bull TV. Yes. Yeah. Like those cars have like a shit ton of like, uh, like uh, sensors and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, right. and, like they drive well, but even they have actually been very forthright in saying we have not like reached like, not like the level of confidence we need to think that this is like street safe for complete, like not like uh, unattended driving. Right. And Tesla's just like, oh, it, yeah, it's it's good to be fine. It's okay if your smart summon car crashes in your garage. It's it's fine. Like, I don't know, man. It's kind of frustrating with Tesla, too, because, um, and I feel like all we do is talk about the negative stuff, of which there is a lot to talk about. But, like, when you look at the core of it, 
like autopilot as it stands today, which is really just a adaptive cruise control plus lane centering system, like works pretty darn well. Like I, I think it's unquestionably the best adaptive cruise control plus lane centering system that's out there. Um, and if they would just focus on that for now, that's a, that's a huge selling point. That's a big part of the reason I bought my model three and all this noise about full self-driving is, is kind of just that it's just noise and it's kind of getting away from what the car is truly capable of, which I still think is really impressive and is still way better than virtually everything else that's out there. But they, they just aren't content with that. Yeah. Well, we promised a short show today, so that didn't happen at all. <clears throat> okay, one last car thing. I did not realize this was going to be a car episode. Uh, so, yes, this, uh, my, my, uh, my car, Miles, uh, the texting while driving doesn't mix, and the people, I wish people got that message. So, Miles has, has had a thing. So, I currently am in uh, the world's worst, worst rental car, which is the Kia Optima, and I do not recommend people buy that car. It's very, it's, <laughs> I, you, it's not, sometimes I'm I like I get bored or, or unappreciative of my current car, and it, uh, it spend some time in a Kia Optima, and you will, um, be be very happy with whatever you have because it feels like <laughs> a car that feels like like an egg carton. Like everything in in it is just so cheaply made and feels. Yeah, it's, it's it's a very bad car, but it has CarPlay and Android Auto in it. So that reminded me that I've kind of forgotten about the differences, the things that have changed in iOS 13 related to CarPlay. So that is the one, like as much as I, we complain about Apple all the time, or sorry, mostly me, but you you, you get your your jabs in too. Um, there's been a lot to complain about this year, but like uh, over the past few years, but CarPlay has actually been very very good, and it's actually a feature I would say that I would never want to live without because it is nice to um basically think that this one car has one particular feature, and that means that from an infotainment standpoint, like your navigation, your ability to um make calls in the car and and do like just siri based things that that's all going to be consistent across cars so that that's great and that's a, that was a huge accomplishment but ios 13 carplay stinks like uh if you remember they kind of redesigned the way it worked where there's now kind of like this home screen thing on it um where like you can see like a, a vi- like a little bit of visibility into whatever Apple Maps wants to show you, but it doesn't work if you're a Google Maps or a Waze user. So you now just have Apple Maps hanging out there, and it shows you your calendar and a bunch of stuff that you don't need to see. But that has like driven away a ton of the complexity of it just being like, hey, here's eight icons of things you can do on on your phone. Um, yeah, and like that's gotten just way way worse. Um, yeah, so I don't like it. It's just it's gotten more complicated. Um, and also on my specific car, not, not this rental car, um, it, in iOS 13, it's now way harder to navigate using a non touchscreen. Like Audi's implementation of it is using, um, a little controller wheel and just like clicking down. And with the new iOS 13 thing, where it has like this separate home screen, like quasi home screen thing, it's, it's way harder to ever know where your little like selection cursor is. And you just have to spin the wheel around a bunch to try to figure out like where you are. Mm. Yeah, it kind of sucks. And and uh, on on the Optima, it does have a touchscreen on it, but it's still not that good either. 
Isn't it kind of the most frustrating situation to be in with technology where you have something like CarPlay and iOS 13 where literally everybody is saying what a great improvement it is? Like, I haven't seen or read a single negative thing about it. And then you're just sitting there being like, am I crazy? Like, this is this is just not good. Like, I, I've I've always felt that way about the... The iPad? Uh, the, <laughs> nice. Um, the OLED screen on the iPhone, which is like people just like gush about it. And I'm just like, hold on. it's I don't think it's very good. Quick sidebar. I've had this phone for three weeks. What is with the colors? Yeah, it's it's not it's not great. Well, no, because like I'm now like anytime I, like I post something to Instagram, like I have to do like way more tweaking. Like, I don't know if like the phone is like desaturating colors or what the deal is. And then. I'll post something and then I look at it on any other device and like all the colors just look wrong. Ugh. Like and I'm and I'm not a dark mode person. I like a, a light mode forever, um, even on an OLED screen. But like, yeah, I, I I do not get the fuss about that screen. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. Um, I stand by that my 11 Pro Max screen. I I still think does look a little bit better than the iPhone 10 or the um, iPhone. 10s max um but overall i still there's nothing about that oled screen that i think like wow this looks amazing (sighs) yeah so the carplay thing like it it's it it's mainly just that weird um like because it just has two home screens now it's got the one that shows you the map in your calendar for some reason and the currently playing media and then the grid of icons and it's just super unclear and very unapple like of how you know which one you're in and again, it's not great on a touchscreen, and it's way, way worse on um, a car that uses a, a control wheel. So, why would you? Why would you permanently need your calendar visible in your car? And it like because I thought that was uh, Apple's philosophical thing is like, oh yeah, we don't want to show you actual stuff on it. We want to do everything by voice. It's the same reason why if you ever open up uh, messages when you're in CarPlay, it just shows you people, and you can't ever read the message. Like it doesn't show you on screen like if you're stopped you can't just like quickly read a message it it, uh, it does everything by um what's the opposite of dictation like it just speaks the message aloud but then there's weird stuff where now it tries to show you your to-do list and it does show you your to-dos on the screen it makes no sense wait wait so even even when you're in park you can't read your messages you can read them on the phone but you can't read them on the car screen Hmm. yeah it, it, that like that is not very well thought out the, the car screen doesn't do any kind of separation between in motion versus and dr- nope not at all that's too bad the iphone doesn't have any way to figure out if you're moving or not <laughs> some someday though someday they'll come out with that technology but I mean, it's weird because like carplay is actually like a really really smart feature um in so many ways but this just feels like a weird execution the one good improvement that i will say they made in ios 13 is um if while stopped and you, um, when you shouldn't, uh, look at your phone or uh, navigate somewhere else with it, it this is one of the features they talked about where it will leave the navigation on the CarPlay screen, even if like you swipe away from Google Maps. That's good. Like that, that's a definite improvement. But most of the rest of it's worse. That also does. That also does seem like another step away from safety, but. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll put that aside. Well, no, because that was one of the features where if I, I knew that if I use my phone for anything else, I would l- lose navigation. Then that made me not use my phone less. <laughs> like, and I'll never operate it while moving. But if I'm at a stoplight where I know I'm going to be doing nothing for two minutes, I will th- maybe pop over over to Slack or something. But I shouldn't have said that. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll cut all that out. Mm-hmm. Let's beep it. Let's put some dog barks in. I forgot why you did that <laughs> that one time, but that was good. You you inadvertently said oh, the proposed... my corgi's name. Yeah. Yeah, was it Elliot? Or eh, whatever. Um, okay. So what what do we have? I'm gonna I'm gonna I do want to talk about the customer satisfaction survey, but I've been talking a lot. So what's what's something that you can I get a hot take from you, or is this or is this too a controversial subject? Can we talk about LeBron and China and uh, the NBA yeah, and okay. China mostly? Yeah, it, it, we, we can do that because it it's cooled down a little bit. But I I want to so I'll I'll tee it up and then you can talk for a while. Okay. So basically, something Maury, the Houston Rockets general Darryl manager, Daryl Maury. He said something about like just stand with Hong Kong or something like it was it was like a 10 word tweet or something. And China got very mad about that. And it revealed to a lot of people who didn't know that the NBA is very big in China and there are more NBA fans in China uh, than in the United States. And that is one of its most important emerging markets. And there's a lot of money to be made in China, uh, as most companies will show. And if we get to it, Apple uh, also big in China and big on uh, abusing the Chinese government. Uh, but basically there's a whole controversy of people who kind of maybe didn't realize that, um, uh, that the NBA was big in China and kind of what Western businesses have to do and how they have to tiptoe around a lot of the cultural sensitivities, um, related to, uh, Chinese politics and a whole bunch of other things. So one, want to get your take on the, um, the, that general manager statement, whether or not he has the right to um, independent speech, and even if you agree that he does, um, should he exercise that because of his role? Um, and then we will get to LeBron. So yeah, what what put the first part? Thoughts. He one hundred percent has the right to express that view, and the NBA as a league, which prides itself in allowing its players to speak their mind and speak out on social issues should and mostly outside of their initial kind of tepid statement actually have by and large stood by uh daryl morey they they fumbled their initial response but since then have done a better job of making it clear that you know he did not violate any sort of policy and they stand by his right to say it um you know it, i think the the positive to come out of doing what he did was that it brought a huge amount of awareness to the issue which is what you were getting to which i think is enormously valuable um you know the the means in which he did it on twitter in a very short message I'm not necessarily sure would be the the best way to go about expressing a view like that, especially with a, a subject that complicated. I think it would have been maybe preferable to come out with something a little bit more fully fleshed out. Um but I but I'm not saying that he that he shouldn't have done it. I think I think what he did was totally reasonable and i think actually some good has come out of it um in in the fact that it's brought in a lot of awareness but you know i maybe the the delivery could have been a little more thought out yeah i think i think one of the challenging parts here or like the interesting parts is that people specifically two people in the nba um steve kerr and um 
what's it, is it greg popovich yeah okay uh of the spurs, spurs. yeah yeah um they have been very vocal about uh kind of um uh, domestic issues in terms of uh race and cultural inequality and a whole bunch of other stuff and specifically in the uh trump era um of expressing their displeasure with a lot of legitimately bad issues in the united states but um but also it's kind of weird and and i've generally been very very on um like uh, pleased and 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 supportive of what steve kerr has said in the past but also he seems to have had a very 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 weak uh response to the china thing because apparently the warriors are also big in china like i, I don't i don't well, know see now i i i'd really push back against that because well because well, didn't he say his whole thing was basically it's complicated and then pivoted to a bunch of race stuff in the u.s i like i watched all 13 minutes of his remarks so here's here's the problem so as a well-known person particularly someone who is known for speaking out on a lot of different things whenever there's some type of big story and it really doesn't even matter what it is there's sort of this completely unreasonable expectation that you're going to have to have some take that you're then going to have to come out and express in public like there there should not be any expectation for every current event Steve Kerr has to come out and opine on that. Like and and he addressed this. He said, "Listen, I speak out on issues that I feel educated in and feel like I have a good sense of." And he specifically cited the gun violence issues. He sits on multiple boards of um nonprofits that work on reducing gun violence. And so he feels like that's a topic that he has a deep understanding of, and he feels confident speaking out against it. Um, and, you know, like, Steve Kerr also has a really unique background where, you know, his father was, he was killed violently in or overseas. Um, and so, you know, another reason why sometimes I think he sort of has a, a unique perspective on things just because of his unique life experience. But I, I, I don't think that should create an expectation that he has to come out and have an opinion on everything. So I, I, I don't for a minute hold you know anything against him with not having some kind of hot take on this whole China NBA thing. Yeah, um... And that's actually a good. It's a good segue into LeBron, I think, because well, yeah, but, but like, well, to, to stay on the the Kerr thing for a little bit, but like, yeah, it's tricky. Like, I I appreciate people who want to add, and I'm still on his side, but like, who want to add nuance to issues where people try are trying to make it super binary about you're either for or against this issue, or if you if you were saying anything less than 100 percent support for Hong Kong, uh, that this that you hate democracy or that you are a corporate shill or any any of that kind of stuff, but i don't know like this it, it struck me as just vaguely weird where uh, like even, even though you would say that like gun control and those things are things he's way more equipped to talk about confidently i don't know it just was a little bit of an awkward pivot or i don't know my initial reading of it was that it sounded like he just kind of didn't want to comment on the issue which i mean like again it's good that people are trying to not just talk out of turn on about stuff they don't actually know anything about but i don't know it just it, it was i don't know I, I, I'm just very concerned, like, and, and this is maybe it's because, like, of all the Apple stuff recently as well, where it just feels like, 
I, I, I feel like vaguely sensitive to just where it feels like companies are bending over backwards to appease and protect their business interests in China. I don't know. Yes. And, and that's, I guess that's where it pivots or that's where that transitions over to LeBron's comments, which were not strong at all. And I, and I, I know there were two ways to have read his comments, which were basically that, um, I think just briefly, he said that, um, Maury just should have been a lot more thoughtful in what he and thought about everybody he was affecting in speaking out. Is that kind of the gist of what he said? I mean, I, I think that that's exactly what he was trying to say, which is, you know, so the Lakers were in this weird position where, um, so they, they you know, taking a step back for a second. So the thing with Daryl Morey's tweet, and I don't think this should have stopped him necessarily from doing it, but I, I'm just pointing this out, which is the timing of it was such that he put that out there the weekend before um, the NBA was going to be holding a bunch of events in China, including a couple of different preseason games, a couple of which were going to feature the Lakers. So the you know LeBron and the rest of the team were going to be over there in the week immediately after this thing. And so what he was clearly getting at was pointing out that like, hey man, like you have the right to say this, and you know you should bring up issues like this when you feel passionately about them, but you also need to kind of think about the ramifications of the timing of it for what are essentially your kind of partners in the league. Um, And I think that's a perfectly reasonable view to have as somebody who like literally felt fear for their safety when they were over there because of this. But I mean, what LeBron needed to do was come out and just say that. And instead he danced around it for whatever reason and then ended up having to clarify it later. And whenever you're in a situation where you have to start a sentence with, well, what I meant was, you know, you've already kind of lost the thread. So I listened to, and I, and this actually I have two podcast recommendations related to this. Um, so I listened to the like first 10 minutes of uh, the Bill Simmons podcast on this. Did you hear that one? I did. He made a good point where like, it's just, and this kind of goes back to the whole, we were like, if we we're talking a couple weeks ago about kind of just like the media empire industry of LeBron, where like he, his whole thing is like, he's going to be done with basketball in the next couple of years. Right? right. And most of the thing he moved to LA for was one, his kids and school and a bunch of other stuff. But he kind of wants to be like Hollywood adjacent. Cause he probably thinks that like a media empire is the new, is like the, the next logical step after sports. Right? Totally. Yeah. Where, Bill Simmons made, I thought, a really good point is that um, LeBron is normally just like exceptionally clear and smart about what he comments on, where there's very little ambiguity. He tries, he doesn't really, like a lot of people will say, like somebody stepped in it. He generally is very good at avoiding that. And in this case, like that, um, is, is it Mealy? What, what's the phrase? Like just kind of like a, 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 a very equivocal. Um, statement that he made that just kind of didn't have any clarity and could be read multiple different ways and without much consideration sounds real like a lot like he's like uh no i don't want to offend china is basically what a um uh cursory reading of his comments suggests like it's odd for somebody who has that much media savvy to fuck this up so badly well so i i think 
and it, we're now we're really getting into kind of just speculation here. But I, I think what happened is he let his emotions get the best of him. I think he was really pissed off about the timing of Daryl Morey's tweet. I think he was really upset that he felt scared for him and his family that following week when they were over in China. And he wished that him and his family didn't have to go through that. And I think that was lingering. And there was probably a voice in his head that was saying, Hey, just let this go. Or, you know, think, think carefully about how you want to talk about this. And just like any other kind of human being, I mean, I've, I've been in that situation that lots of people have, which is you end up just kind of, you know, wanting to say something, but like still having that voice in your head, trying to hold it back. And then you end up just kind of sounding like a, you know, you're just, you're kind of just fumbling. And I, I think that's what happened here. Hmm. Um, so yes, my podcast recommendation related to this is, uh, have you ever, have I ever guilted you into listening to exponent or not effectively, which is Ben Thompson's podcast. I I've, I've listened to, um, a few episodes, but it, it just didn't get into the rotation. Yeah. So there was a really good one. Uh, the, the most recent episode, episode 175, uh, the abyss stares back. Um, and basically does he and, uh, his, um, co-host James Allworth, uh, just talk about the NBA and China and a lot of kind of like just the reckoning that people are having with, um, cause it, like, that's the whole thing where like the NBA just has enough broad appeal where it's bringing to light a lot of the, um, accommodations that Western business makes to function inside of China. Um, and it's just, it's like, it's, it's, it's a pretty brief podcast. It's, uh, about 45 minutes and it's just super smart about, the considerations of kind of the the advantageous position that Facebook's in where like for for as much as people can hate Facebook they're not even in China like Twitter like in that and he also made the point where and again people go listen to the episode instead but his whole thing was he finds it super interesting that uh Twitter a social network that's blocked in China there's this gigantic controversy about a thing that people can't even see like uh, it's it, it's it's a really smart take, and I, I even if you don't listen to the, his podcast normally, seriously, like just go. Overcast allows you to listen to a podcast without subscribing. Exponent episode one seventy five, really, really, really good. Yeah, it is in the notes. All right, uh, what do we? Okay, do you uh, do? You t- uh, I'll let you pick what to talk about next. Um, we can do. We can hit some of this. Um. Uh, streaming stuff, maybe. Uh, yeah. Oh, have you? So you're on Twitter, right? What's that? <laughs> uh, not ten, enough. Not familiar with that. The ten minutes a day is too much. But have <laughs> you seen the? I, uh, this was like a week ago. There was a thing where Disney Plus was just tweeting out every thing that's going to be on the service. Yeah, they were. Two days they were straight. doing. Uh, they were doing an Instagram story with that too. Oh. It seemed like they were making a lot of tweets, so I feel like that would have been a lot of Instagram story. It was kind of weird because it was set up where you had, you know, well, I mean, like any any story, right? You have to hold your thumb down if you want to pause the video, but it was it was just, you know, very quickly flashing posters of everything that was going to be on there. And so you had to like, to get to the next one, lift up your 
thumb and then quickly put it back on the screen to mm-hmm. see the next one. It, it was kind of odd. Yeah. Uh, quick sidebar. Are they making remaking Lady of the Tramp in a weird Lion King-like style? They are, yeah. I think no. it's going to be uh, either one of the launch uh, movies are going to be out like right around launch. No. Don't do that to dogs. No. I know the... Uh, you know, the lady friend and I saw that new Lion King movie and um, she really likes the lady and the tramp. I, I've, I've seen it, I think, like when I was a little kid. Um, and I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure I would enjoy it, too, because, I mean, it's a movie about dogs. What's what's there not to like? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they share spaghetti. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, they're uh, I told her, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, with that Disney Plus thing that I signed us up for three years for. um uh they're they're remaking the lady in the tramp <laughs> how did you explain that you saw was it a concern what did you was it like a discussion where you're like oh yeah sign for us uh, for three years of this unproven thing she she actually was totally on board with it but did you have to sell it or did you like um like preface that here's why i'm doing this because i'm part of the founders club or whatever it's called <laughs> i don't think i've called out the founders club thing necessarily but i <laughs> i laid out the pricing and stuff she's like oh yeah no that makes sense yeah um but i go like oh yeah you know they're they're remaking uh lady and the tramp she's like oh great and i'm like oh and you know it's and it's in the same style as uh that that new lion king <laughs> movie and it was like oh yeah so maybe skip that one i i think we'll we'll probably watch it mm-hmm. because i mean you know why not mm-hmm. and i i think that it's going to be a little different from the lion king and that i don't think the whole thing is cgi i think i mean i think the dogs are but i think that's then superimposed into real world environments which i i think will be a better use of that technology because that was most of where the lion king went wrong is it's just there just was too much of it Mm -hmm. so i'm scrolling through this twitter thing and i'm very out of touch with technology or not technology. Well, actually, maybe. Oh, with like popular culture. Why? What is Lego Star Wars? It's a video game. Apparently, it's a TV show too. Oh yeah, there are there are a lot of Lego shows um, that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. Anyway, Disney Plus. We sorry, we were talking about something before I got sidetracked on the Twitter thing. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, I mean there were there were a couple of good articles. So I think I was this Hollywood the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, had a good story just about how Disney is really, 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 really betting big on Disney Plus. Um, they are not holding back any of their top tier content, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just super interested to see where the price actually goes from here. But yeah, that was that was a good read. Was there anything else new other than the thing we're not going to talk about? Um. No, I, I think that that is the biggest thing, and I, it's been the biggest surprise for me. I, I'm sure we've talked about this in the past, um, but I just I continue to be really surprised that there aren't any caveats with Disney Plus. Like it really is just everything. I think in the early days of Disney starting to talk about streaming, like I just sort of assume like, oh yeah, okay, they'll have some original content and they'll release like certain new movies on there, but you know, they're not just going to open the the Disney vault or anything. <laughs> um, but they but they totally are. And there's there was another really good uh, tweet, which let me open up so I can give some credit here. Dave Itzkoff, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this will be in the notes. And it says, old enough to remember when Disney's home video strategy was to threaten consumers that their movies would be put <laughs> away in a vault. And if you didn't buy them right now, you might never get to see them again. Like, I vividly remember as a kid those Disney vault commercials. Um, we we have we have many a VHS tape that is uh, re-releases from the Disney vault because it was, uh, you know, you only had nine months to buy it before it went back in the vault. Exactly. You weren't ever going to get to have uh, to buy Lion King one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it really, it really is something that um, like, not only are they backing off of that strategy that they've had for decades, but it's not like they're slowly getting away from it. It's just like literally come two weeks from now, like it's just gone like overnight. Like there's no transition period, nothing like it's just, it's just a complete change in business model. And that that's, that's interesting. So let me ask, is this, is this a fear of Netflix and the new school media players or is it um, a show of force or both? I, it's a show of force. hundred percent. I you don't think they're afraid of Netflix at all. No, definitely not. I think, I think Disney's, unbelievably smart here i think they know they know exactly where the puck's going and they're (laughs) skating ahead of it well because they're the ones who made mighty ducks of course they do (laughs) exactly is that gonna be on disney plus it better i'm sure it will be um no but i mean seriously like i i think they they see the writing on the wall and where digital media is going they know that the disney vault I mean, we're making fun of it because it, it it's an antiquated model, and I think they they get that. And I think to their complete credit, they are fully embracing that new model. They're not half-assing anything. They're not dipping their toes in the water. They're just they're jumping right in, and I think that's really really smart. Because in the grand scheme of things, like yes, Netflix is enormous, but we're still in the early days of streaming. Like in the in the overall history of streaming content these are still early days and so disney is smart to to get in now and fully embrace it i think if they were doing something like i was describing earlier where they were kind of tepidly introducing something but they were still holding back a lot of their classics and things like that then i would say that they were kind of just scared of netflix and they were trying to hedge against it but the fact that they're just fully embracing it and completely scrapping, I mean, what, 20, 30 years of uh, media strategy, I think speaks to them just going for it. And have we gone on the record for what we think Disney Plus is going to cost in 2022? I don't think we have. $16. Yeah, I think that's, I wouldn't. I think if you were setting an over under, I think that's a, that's a good number. yeah i don't know just knowing that's out there feels vaguely disingenuous of how they're pricing it currently i mean it's it's smart but kind of i don't know yeah the fact that it's artificially that it's kind of i I don't know if you can apply the predatory pricing economic principle to streaming services but it kind of is just because they have so much ip and they're willing to spend so much money on original content creation at the start and they're pricing because like everybody will acknowledge that the the eight uh, the seven dollar a month pricing is it six ninety nine or seven ninety nine? Uh, six ninety nine to start, I think. Like that's that's not market value for the content. 
Like, I know it's tough to say what that is, but that's kind of like a, like an Uberish thing. Like, I don't, like, it's, I don't want to make it sound evil because, like, it's going to be a good value for a while, but, like, that is kind of, um, I don't know, like, it's, yeah. You have to be a company of a certain size. You either have to take on massive loads of debt like Netflix is doing to pump out that amount of content, or you have to price your stuff artificially low like they're doing. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, um, yeah, we don't live in a truly uh, competitive market in a lot of industries, and I think media is certainly one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of quick things. Uh, there was an update on the fact that uh, remember when the iPad Pro got announced in September of twenty? Yeah, there was a jam-packed event last year. Uh, one year ago, uh, iPad was coming for. IPad they, was did, coming. They, they, they did a separate October event, didn't they? Uh, I don't know what an October. I don't know. I, I don't. I couldn't tell you. I don't know. What, I've never. I don't remember what an October event is. <laughs> um. Yeah, they talked about uh, Adobe came and did a demo that um, true full-on Photoshop for iPad was coming, and there's kind of been nary a peep about it ever since. Um, but it sounds like Adobe has said that, yes, it is coming this year, uh, but it's going to be, um, I don't know, I, I can't tell if they're saying it's going to have fewer features than they originally promised, or they're just reminding people that it's not going to be a feature a feature for feature uh, parody compared to the desktop edition. But I mean, either way, um, yeah, that's kind of story that people forgot about. And that is one of those things where people kind of have been saying is, is the iPad really a, um, productivity tool if it d- just has kind of like baby apps and that kind of stuff. And and we, we of course have our opinions as whether or not the, the iPad is a full blown work tool, but, um, yeah, it's definitely coming. It's going to be included in your, or someone's, uh, Adobe creative cloud subscription. And that's neat. Yeah, Adobe needs to take a lesson in uh, under-promising and over-delivering. They, the mistake here is is not what the product is going to be, but it was in the initial messaging where they described it as real Photoshop, which Gruber points out in his article, which will be in the notes, led a lot of people, I think reasonably, to assume that it was going to be full Photoshop. And that's never what it was intended to be, at least not to start. But that was sort of the impression that Adobe put out there. And that was a mistake. And I think the way that narrative is fed is because um, Adobe has made a couple of like half starts with Photoshop on iOS. Like they've had um, two apps, like they've had Photoshop Express. They've had an app called PS Fix, which basically only had the like the cloning and healing tools of Photoshop. And they've, they've had just like a lot of kind of, well, here's a very, very small segment of what Photoshop can do. And we're making it available on iOS. So when they're like, well, this is real Photoshop, I can, I can see where people bought into the idea that it was going to be 100% feature complete, but it sounds like they're committed to having a thing where you can have a PSD file that whether you're reading it on a windows computer, uh, a Mac or, iPad that there won't be any differences in file format and that it's going to be just full Photoshop everywhere, which is, which is neat. Right. Um, uh, T-Mobile Sprint merger. That's uh, pretty, it seems like a done deal. Uh, we work as a garbage fire. Um, turns out you can make $200 million by just selling real estate for half of what it's worth. Um, 
Yeah, what else is there? I think we hit the big stuff. Yeah. Uh, Tim sent me a survey. Okay, yeah, let's let's quickly touch on that. That'll be that'll be then do show specials. Yep. Uh, I got uh, since I bought it. Did you get one of these? I got one because I bought a new iPhone recently. I got a survey saying, "Well, tell us what you think about the iPhone." No, I think because I'm in the iPhone upgrade program and I've. I've bought an iPhone every year under that program. They're just like, yeah, he's he's going to continue buying phones. We don't care. Yeah. Oh, so now I feel special. They're like, oh yeah, this guy skipped the iPhone 10 and 10s. <laughs> what's what's wrong? Yeah. Um, it was interesting. It was interesting. Like I, at the at the start, it seemed like kind of a weird, like vague. It seemed like an unApple like survey because it was just super um, vague and and nonspecific. But yeah, it kind of it got. Uh, I think I I won't put these in here, but I it took a couple of quick screenshots in the middle of it i sent a couple to you uh oh yeah i will i will put this one in here because i thought this one was really funny uh go back to the dms all right uh which of these apple surfaces have you heard of so i didn't think family sharing was a service but apple card apple music icloud stored apple news plus nobody uses apple news plus uh, but it was a lot of weird stuff like this. And then they asked me, which ones do you actually use? But the, the, the meat and bones of it for me was that they asked a question about, like, do uh, do you actually like Face ID and why aren't you satisfied with it? Um, and then, yeah, I kind of went to town on that one. But it was the part of, of the survey that I want to talk about that was interesting is that there was, like, enough detail about it where, and I sent you a screenshot earlier of, uh, the question was, why do you prefer Touch ID over Face ID to unlock iPhone? Um, I also appreciate the branding voice that they they always know to say not the iPhone, just unlock iPhone. That's good. Good attention to detail. But basically everything they said are actually valid criticisms of Touch ID. And I actually thought that was fairly like telling and smart that they don't at least internally for their market research, they're thinking of like, actually we know these are all the failings of face id and it was just super interesting like where if i would have gone on a rant on the show for 30 minutes th- everything i check the box for is stuff i hate about touch uh, about face id touch ids uh, does unlock it more quickly i can use touch id while holding my iphone at different angles touch id does work on the face uh, on the first try i can unlock i can look at my iphone without unlocking it that is one thing that i've had a very very difficult time being able to um uh to What's what's the word? Like to com- to communicate. I haven't been able to figure out like why I yeah. Like I always say, like it unlocks too quickly, or it'll unlock without the intentionality that I would normally want. Where yeah, Touch ID, I can look at my phone without having it unlock everything. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that they have that they've thought of all these things, and they've actually like in a public facing way are suggesting all the ways that it's, that it's objectively worse. Well, and I. I... I actually do think this is a another small piece of evidence that we're going to get either in 2020 or 2021 the an iPhone that's got both. And I, I I can see I can see the presentation with Schiller basically being like you know hey like we we know that there are these scenarios where um Face ID doesn't work as well as touch id and i mean he'll have a better way of saying that um so you know, why choose when you can have both and they'll they'll put both <laughs> out there um and and, and but but honestly but that's going to be uh, that's going to be awesome and it's going to be true because 
I don't think there's any arguing the fact that there are some scenarios where face ID is better, and there are some I um, some scenarios, probably more scenarios, where touch ID is better. Uh, full stop. And so, if you can have both on the phone, you kind of solve for everything. Can I give uh, Face ID some credit? There's one. There's been one uh, one situation. Well, it's actually two situations, but maybe like one main thing that I've actually come across that it's way better at that always kind of bugged me with touch id is that like whenever you're cooking or you have kind of like dirty hands or if you've just like washed your hands and your hands aren't completely dry that is a a situation where it is nice to just be able to like use your knuckle and tap the screen and be able to swipe up and your phone's unlocked that's the only case where face id is better well and you know we don't experience this in uh, california but also when you're wearing gloves yeah, you'd mentioned that when uh, when you're using slopes, that that was always a bummer with Touch ID, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, although that's it's it's not really solved with Face ID either, though, because like if if you're skiing, you're usually wearing gloves and goggles, and in my experience, Face ID does does not work at all with ski goggles. So, yeah. and then the last thing I sent you is that oh, in which of the, these situations have you had issues with Face ID? And I actually never thought about it, but they actually have listed while wearing headgear. Oh, yeah. Um, I've There are certain scenarios where... So I don't have any issues with any of my sunglasses, luckily. Um, and I generally don't have any issues if I'm wearing like a baseball hat. But if I'm wearing both, if I'm wearing sunglasses and a hat... If you're being some, really cool. Uh-huh. Sometimes I, I do run into some trouble there. Yeah. Uh, while wearing or not wearing makeup was actually an interesting one. Like I've never thought about that. Cause also I thought, um, just, I wouldn't think that would have mapped one. It's not something I encounter, but it's not something I would have thought mattered. Cause I thought face ID was all like, wasn't actually like a visual representation. It was more of a, like, it has a thing that does like depth sensing. That's more of just like the contours of your face. Yeah. But I think, I think with, with enough makeup or with certain types of makeup, you, some of that might get a bit altered. Got it. Yeah. So anyway, it was kind of interesting uh, to be factored into uh, Tim's customer sat numbers, and I, and I hope I brought them down a little bit. I was going to say that at the next presentation, when it's ninety-seven instead of ninety-eight, we're going to know why. Mm-hmm. It was. I thought it was an honest appraisal, but yeah, just thought it was interesting that they actually were revealing that they understand that, or at least some department in Apple that is grounded in reality understands the shortcomings of some of their features. Chef specials. Yeah. What you got? So mine, nice and quick this week. It is a ways. This is a way travel mm-hmm. customer service. Mm. So I went on a trip last week. One of the um, so you know there so there's two obviously two halves of the bag. One of which has kind of a, a zippered compartment, which they say is where you can put like shoes and your toiletry bag and stuff. So one of those zippers broke. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of tried to fix it on my own a little bit, but th- it, there was clearly not going to be an easy way to do it. So I'm like, well, you know, like a way always advertises like this lifetime guarantee thing. And I, I kind of assumed that something like that maybe wouldn't be covered. But I was like, eh, I'll, I'll send them an email and, and see what happens. Sent them an email within like less than two hours, got a response back like, oh, yeah, like that's totally something that's covered under our warranty. Like this is something that should never happen. Um, you know, provide me with your original order number and we'll just get a new bag shipped out to you right away. Um, 
And then I you know, replied back with that information. And then like an hour or two later, got the shipping confirmation that, or the order confirmation of my free you know replacement bag, um, which is now going to be coming next week with a prepaid label to just ship my old bag back. And that's awesome. And I have like, you know, that special edition Star Wars thing and they're, they're replacing it with that exact bag and everything. That's part I was worried about because that's, um, cause I assume in a few years or if, if that, cause that, once they no longer have those in the warehouse that if you did have to get it swapped, you would kind of lose that. Like I'm sure they'd make it right in the sense that they'd give you a working bag, but that's, that's cool that they still had that. Yeah, that was that was also my hesitation too, because I was like, well, even if they do offer to replace the bag, if they don't have this one, then like, am I just gonna get a like a generic one, and then I will be all right with that? Because it was like one of those things where like I could still use that compartment because it has two zippers, and the other zipper was okay. Um, but but no, they're like, yeah, no, we'll just you know we'll, we'll, we'll replace it with the same bag. So that's yeah, that's awesome. All right, mine is super easy and quick, or, or sorry, super straightforward. Uh, it is the, uh, it's an Instagram follow. It is uh, the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, it's actually very, very, very good. It's not, um, it doesn't, it's not advertising at all. It is just highlighting some of the best photography of their photojournalists. Um, and in the Instagram, in the descriptions of the, um, uh, of each post, they have maybe one or two paragraphs about what the story is about. And it's actually uh, one really timely for local Bay Area news. And um, yeah, it was really informative and some really great photography. Yeah. So uh, at SF Chronicle on Instagram. 